Welcome to the Architecture Podcast. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm joined today by Eric Franchi, and we have a very special guest today. We have a guest who has a higher power, a higher reason for being. We have the Twitter sensation, AdTechGod, the pseudo-anonymous account that is becoming increasingly influential and popular. So, Mr. God, uh, welcome to the Architecture Podcast. Uh, thank you, Ari. Thank you, Eric. Uh, it's great to be here as the god of programmatic prophecy. I must say, I am humbled to be on your podcast. I think we're going to call you. We have a lot of. Okay. <laughs> ATG, EdTech Yahweh, EdTech uh, Zeus. We haven't figured out what pantheon you're in yet. But first, some. Uh... <laughs> Some uh, sponsor message. So as our listeners know, we have taken on some sponsors. One of our great sponsors is Flash Talking by MediaOcean. So Flash Talking used the Markitecture AI, which we announced last week. So we have an AI at Markitecture TV. You can ask it very complicated questions about ad tech. And they asked our AI to write them an ad for this podcast. So this is getting very meta. Um, so I'm going to do a live reading of the ad that was written by our AI for Flash Talking. So here we go. Hey there, architecture fans. Are you tired of your ad campaigns falling flat? Look no further than Flash Talking by MediaOcean. With Flash Talking, you'll be able to create dynamic, engaging ads that will leave your audience begging for more. And let's be real. Who doesn't love a little begging? So what? <laughs> so what are you waiting for? Visit MediaOcean.com slash Flash Talking to learn more and start creating ads that will make your competitors green with envy. Okay, so that is our ad. That is a paid ad from Flash Talking, but the copy was written by the Markitecture AI. Um, so that's that pretty great. cool. What do you guys think of the ad? That was great. I mean, having the having the benefit of uh, seeing the, the read, um, you could have had more exclamation points in your in your voice, but okay, great. Yeah, it was great. Good feedback. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the who doesn't love a little begging. That had me a little bit uh, off. Wouldn't be ad tech. We weren't begging a little bit for some business right now. So, I think it was great. I mean, I think that the overall capabilities of AI right now are just incredible, and I think it's only going to get better. So let's jump into it with ATG. Um, so, what what inspires you? What are why did, does this account exist? Why are you spending time creating this persona? This started really during the pandemic. I was locked up at home, surrounded by my family, hearing about all the changes in the market, which looking back now to, to 2021, mostly, it was really a great time for advertising. We saw an incredible growth in connected TV and streaming. The atmosphere still felt stressful, and I wanted to create an out to just comment the way I wanted to comment and to be a little bit of a jokester about what I think uh, we can laugh about that sometimes isn't the funniest. So so what do you attribute your popularity to? And, and by popularity, I think you're up around 10,000 followers at this point. So um, that's pretty Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, much more. Much more. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, the follower count? I, I, think we're, I think I'm over 12. I think I'm over 12. Wow. Yeah, but there's a question I have later on about that, but go ahead. Yeah, I think the popularity is just asking good questions, poking fun. I, I think a, a lot of what you see on LinkedIn is a press release. Um, people tend not to question or really question any company's strategy and what their PR is about. It's mostly uh, clapping hands and just being happy about it. 
But when you go into Twitter, the, the conversation's very different. People are willing to push the envelope and they're willing to dispute claims of being the number one product or solution in market. And I think it creates a great dialogue that's very different than what you experience with LinkedIn in particular. You also have a great swag. So unlike a lot of other pseudo-anonymous accounts, um, you, you have swag. You're sending people stickers. You have t-shirts, baby yeah. onesies. What's going on there? You're getting a little business out of this thing. I've made zero dollars off this account, and it was a goal <laughs> of mine not to monetize it. It's actually cost me more. The logo I created was actually voted on. I ran a poll and asked hair, no hair, facial hair, um, what colors do you like? And it actually came back to what you're seeing now on my Twitter account. So God didn't hand it down from above. God listened to the people. Always. Um, so what? Can you tell us anything about yourself? We're not, we're not going to try to unmask you, although we will talk about guesses. Um, but tell us about, are, are you in the industry? Do you work at AdTech? Are you just kind of a random housewife bored in the Midwest who follows us? What, what's going on? Uh, I've been in the industry, I'd say, since 2009. I would say publisher side, selling to agencies for a few years uh, and then move more into the technology side of the business. I've been here quite some time and have seen so many different trends repeating themselves over the last few years. So it's almost deja vu sometimes. Right. We want to hear some prognostication, but uh, we still let's still focus on the persona. Okay. So what are the guesses that everyone says? Uh, everyone says Terry Kowaja. Um, everyone says Matt Barish. People say me, but I, hopefully this podcast will dissuade people to me. I'm not such a great video audio editor. I could co accomplish this. Uh, what, what's your reaction to the people try to try to guess who you are? Um, Mostly it's been Matt. Uh, Mostly Matt. People have told me, I know it's you, Matt. Um, <laughs> and I tell them, I tell them things like, look, uh, I can't chat, you know, right now I'm in a meeting in New York, but I could be sitting in an office in LA. I steal his photos from Instagram and post them on Twitter and act like I'm there. But I've had Matt, I've had Ari Stein from, I think, Pandora XM. I've had Shiv from U of Digital. That's a good um, Right, that's a good guess. So, uh, it's definitely not Terry. I think we could all agree it's not Terry because Terry wants the spotlight. He doesn't want a pseudo-anonymous account. My memes are better. Uh, <laughs> we message each other, and, and I feel like I miss QA for a lot of his uh, parodies. <laughs> yeah, he, a... he loves to get... He does do a quick uh, um, early, early look for some of his parodies to people. Um, yeah, and I think great. that... Um, <laughs> Uh, Matt Barish is funny because he's never been on this pod, but he's been mentioned. We should have a running ticker of how often Matt Barish is mentioned on this podcast versus how often like Elon Musk is mentioned because it'd be pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've noticed that actually. His name comes up. He is he is the ad tech socialite, so it, it makes sense. <laughs> so ATG, pseudonymous accounts are interesting. Oftentimes they're troll accounts. And one of the things that I think is cool about your account is you're a troll it's not all negativity it's not all biting no. it's not all like c cutting you know companies or people or ideas down no. um you have this like good balance of being you know funny and you know po poking fun deservedly at some you know some things but also being generally positive and like going a step further like trying to be helpful like you tweet out job listings you ask for people you know who follow you hey send me your job listings um how, where did this idea for the persona and balancing the troll with the 
positivity come from? Um, I think in the end, we're all normal people. Um, and I think as, as just a moral compass for myself, I like helping people in general. So I think as a person, I, I like seeing people around me succeed. So I think first and foremost, that's the most important thing to me in my life. I want people to shoot to the top and do well in their life. So when I see layoffs happening, it, there's a, there's a self need and satisfaction of just seeing people getting a job and reducing that stress that they have in their life. On another side, I love this industry. It's, it's been a long time. I've been doing this for so long that at some point it's all I know. And so the future of it is actually very important to me and to my future. So on the selfish side, I want it to grow and prosper as much as possible. So it sounds like you're definitely a New Testament God, not an Old Testament God. I am a New Testament God, except for, you know, the apocalypse. But we're not going to go there today. <laughs> yeah, EdTech Revelations will be the next account. Exactly. And just to double click on that, right? So it's interesting in that there's examples of you helping people, trying to help people. I'm sure just with, you know, now increasingly the reach of the account, you know, you've probably, you know, gotten people jobs or early sort of like boosted their signal, but you are anonymous. So you get no credit personally for this. So this is like the purest of um, intentions, because at the end of the day, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows um, who, who to, who to assign credit to. So it's like, right. so how do you, how do you think about that? Right. Is this just, you know, like, purely out of, you know, wanting to do good in the world? Do you feel like ad tech God, ATG has a bigger mission, has like a future doing, doing something else? Like, just like riff on that a little bit. Just recently, I started to think what, what this could turn into. And I think as I started seeing more and more followers and seeing the people that I was able to, to get employed at, at good companies too, I, I think there are nine or 10 people at this point that that I've helped just directly with getting them a job. I think we need a resource like that in, in the market. Like I love recruiters and I love LinkedIn, but you, you and I both know that a lot of this industry is built on relationship and trust and referrals. And I think there's something I can do with that to help drive a better environment for job seekers overall. So you have an idea for, some something in the in the talent arena that's connected to the to the account. Like I know you you posted a job board or something like that. Less talent. So I think talent will be an element of it. I, I think it'll be a, a combination of helping startups find the right resources that they need, whether they be uh, an initial free trial from established companies um, that they could use during their first you know six to twelve months while they're bootstrapped. It could also be job posts that are hard to find and are very niche and being to provide a platform for job seekers to locate those jobs. Got it. Yeah. Let's just say it's a full platform that I'm working on. I think prior to the past couple of years, the idea of a pseudonymous account being able to build a business uh, would be, um, would be laughed at. But like, right. you know, with the, with the advent of, you know, just like everything. So it's whether it's Reddit accounts or like, you know, Web3 Anons or, you know, just like some of these, uh, I mean, frankly, I pay for a sub stack and I have no idea who the, who the author is. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the opportunity to 
build a biz um, with no one knowing your name is is real, which is pretty mind blowing. But I think it's real. I was just going to suggest that you could see a future where this persona is an AI. Uh, there's nothing to say that you're actually a human being. We could be talking to a computer right now. Who says I'm not Elon Musk? It could be. True. Speaking of, there, like, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. I I try not to spend too much time on Twitter. Your account just started exploding, and you know you were posting charts of like how many uh, thousands of followers you got like that day. What the hell happened? I announced my uh, acceptance as CEO of Twitter. <laughs> okay, okay, and we're gonna get to the news. Let's not get and it too went ahead wild. Ourselves. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I've I've been checking. A lot of the accounts are active, which I found great. Some of the accounts looked a little sketchy, and some of them were verified. So I think it was just a combination of maybe how the algorithm works. Uh, there was a little bit of a boost of users, and then I started getting recommended to other users, which just scaled. But now it's tiered off and, and flattened out. Do you think you got caught on like the Discover page for a new Twitter CEO, and maybe your, your tweet got pretty high on that? I think so. I think something like that may have happened. I triggered yeah. something. It was like uh, right not... conversation, right time, probably tagging the right accounts. There's probably something there. Yeah. Yeah. Something in the algorithm. Not, not, to, my account. not to make this about me, but the way I got my first real boost of Twitter followers was when Business Insider made a list of the 100 people you should follow on Twitter in media. And I was actually listed like number 18 ahead of Rupert Murdoch. Um, so I don't know what they were thinking, but that took me from like a couple hundred followers to like 10,000 in a day. It was a little nuts. It's incredible. Um, but those were the, those were the good days. Let's talk about the industry and prognostication. You know, a pretty open-ended question would be, you know, what trends are you seeing that you think are interesting in ad tech in general? I'm seeing the entry into connected TV from non-conventional connected TV companies. Okay. I'm hearing more and more of Mobile app solutions entering the CTV space. Okay. I'm hearing a lot of consolidation happening, hearing the number of apps being reduced and being consolidated because the user experience is not the greatest right now across streaming platforms. I think we're starting to see more audience-focused buying, which is challenging in this space. Can we talk about that second one you said, more apps entering? Um, are you are you suggesting that companies that are traditionally mobile are moving into CTV or, or something? Yes. I, you know, in my day-to-day -day job, I speak to a, a multitude of companies. It's just part of my role. And I'm hearing companies that historically did not dabble in connected TV and were highly focused on mobile business seem to be interested in getting into the CTV space using the data that they have in place, it's kind of interesting to see what they're doing. Yeah, that was kind of something I, that was a hypothesis of mine for years was that if you had a mobile SDK that was broadly distributed, you might want to think about CTV because it's kind of the same tech. And I, I remember speaking to executives in MoPub about it before they sold and they, they kind of poo-pooed the whole thing and said like, no, it's totally different. It's uh, different audiences, different advertisers, different everything. They didn't do it, obviously, but um, it's an opportunity and the app world is kind of flattening out, so it makes sense to invest. I think a lot of these companies also owe it to their shareholders. So you look at the non-conventional CTV companies, they're, they're trying to diversify revenue streams. 
Right. If you take a look at, you know, even the supply side platforms and demand side platforms in a market with some headwinds, they're, they're looking for growth. And so they're starting to dabble into each, each other's business to try to capture more budget. So it makes sense that diversification during this type of market is happening. Right. There it also could be interesting on the creative side. Like if you think about a mobile company like Unity that has incredible authoring tools as well right. as ad tools, uh, bringing that to CTV could be pretty innovative. Absolutely. So why don't we pause at this point, uh, take a break, um, and come back and do the news of the week, because there's quite a bit of news, and we'll hear what EdTech God's perspective is on uh, the latest comings and goings. So we'll be back in a second. Great. This Architecture podcast is sponsored by Adelaide. Remember where's Waldo? He was 100% viewable, but still awfully hard to find. Your digital ads are like Waldo, viewable, but in a sea of distractions. You need to move beyond viewability. Adelaide helps brands like Mars, Audi, Colgate, and the NBA measure media quality, and drive better performance by optimizing campaigns programmatically with attention data. Adelaide's metric, AU, is available at nearly every major DSP and SSP, making it easy to leverage attention metrics. Get a free Waldo was viewable t-shirt at adelaidemetrics.com slash Waldo. So the big news this week, we, we missed it uh, by our recording deadline last week. So there's a little bit old news at this point, uh, but we're still very relevant to this topic, which is uh, Linda Yaccarino becoming the CEO of Twitter. Um, so Linda is the uh, currently or was the chief business officer at uh, NBCU. I think she was president of NBCU was her title. And it was announced last week and sort of abruptly announced, and she actually had to leave NBC um, abruptly and missed the upfronts the next day. And so uh, this is kind of an interesting topic. I think probably we've all met Linda at some point. I I met her when I was still at Comcast. Eric, do you want to start with your sort of a hot take on this? So I don't know Linda uh, well at all. I've met her a couple of times. Um, she's extremely impressive. And I think, um, you know, a CEO job and, you know, arguably like, you know, one of the most important CEO jobs in, in, in tech is, um, is great for her. So like, I'm super happy as a fan, you know, from, from the sidelines, I think, um, I think it's an interesting selection by, by Elon, right. And, you know, the, the sort of nuances of how he, um, uh, how he explained the division of labor to me was quite interesting. Right. So, um, right. check me on this one. But it's like, you know, me, Elon, I'm going to own product and tech as CEO. Linda is going to oversee everything with a strong focus on, on sales, marketing and, and, and hiring. So, so was that was that how he explained it? I think he used the phrase business operations, which didn't did sound great to me. Got it. Uh, OK, well, I think that could I also think be Elon's theory. Yeah, everything but the but the product and, and the tech. So I think it's, um, it's a couple things. So number one, as CEO, are you the CEO if you don't own product and tech? And yeah, that's, exactly. that's question. That's question n number one. And then question number two is, you know, I think as a as a business person, as a you know uh, connector to the advertising industry, as a revenue oriented executive, you're probably not going to get any better than Linda Yaccarino. Like full full stop. The question is, um, is that all that Twitter needs right now? Yes, you know, they've had like a, a precipitous decline in revenue and, you know, her ability to bring brands back, I don't think is uh, the question at all. The real question is, is that what Twitter needs or does Twitter need more product, more marketing, more of the sort of like other side of this that Linda may be a great person to hire and build the team for, or is that going to be 
a point of tension because that's going to be something that ultimately Elon wants to own and oversee. Yeah, well said. Um, ATG, you have your own point of view on this? I don't know her personally, but I know of her. And, and I think she's someone that has a great presence in the market. I think Twitter does need diversification in their product. I think at this point, the Twitter 2.0 vision that Elon has is incredible. Now, whether they're able to pull that off would be, you know, call features, shopping functionality, tweeting video functionality. I, I, I think there's something there, but brand perception is also a challenge over what's happened the last couple of years. So I, I think she has a challenge ahead of her related to getting those brand dollars back in. Yeah, I think she's obviously well-suited to bring the brand dollars Absolutely. back in, but they're only going to come if the product's right and the users are there and it's safe. And a lot of she has a lot of things going against her in this job. And uh, to, I totally agree with what Eric said. You know, how, To what extent are you really the CEO if you don't control product? To be clear, I think that she, I think if somebody can do it, she can do it. The question is just yeah. with, and again, this could be a nuance with the way that Elon explained this, and I could be reading too much into this. Um, will she be able to like direct the 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 product evolution in the way that's going to allow you know the ad business to scale? That's the little thing that you know. I'm, I'm again, may, maybe could be reading too far into. I made a tweet about this, but I'll just kind of summarize my thought. What if I could prognosticate that uh, Linda will get there a couple months in? She'll say our our key problem for bringing back advertisers is we need more video. We need it to be auto auto on. So video on Twitter is muted by default. There's not a lot of algorithms. They're small. They're not full screen by default. Those are the sort of things that stand in the way of making it a bigger business. She'll effectively have to convince Elon as the head of product that those are worth investing in and are worth are worth changing the user experience. And he may not agree. He may want to go a different direction on the product. So where do you end up when you're in that situation? It seems like sort of a recipe for frustration. Yeah, re related, um, he's changed or seems to be changing his tune on advertising in general with um, him saying that Tesla is going to experiment with doing some advertising, which, um, again, could be a step in the direction that folks might want to see to give you know Twitter, the ad product, the ad business, the best uh, chance of success. You think you think he'll start? So you're with saying it. he's just going to basically funnel money from one of his companies to the other? Uh, he wasn't spe he wasn't specific, but <laughs> <laughs> that could that could be one way. The the big problem that Twitter has is also going to be attracting talent. Notwithstanding Linda, you know, taking the gold ring here, when Linda wants to bring in more people, imagine you're on the other side of that conversation, and it's like Linda, I trust you, I want to work for you, but how do I know I'm going to be paid? How do I know I'm not going to be interfered with? How do I know my severance will be paid if it doesn't work out? What's the stock worth? Um, it's a big uphill climb given the drama at Twitter since uh, since it was taken over last year. Let's move on. Let's talk about a uh, big conference this week. There were two big conferences. There's Programmatic I.O. Uh, in Vegas, and there was Luma, Terry Quadra's Luma DMS conference in New York. Eric and I were at Luma. We hung out together and just took the praise of everyone walking by, telling us how much they love their podcast, this podcast. So uh, if we saw you, we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate uh, your continued loyalty. Please press the subscribe button and leave us a good comment. Anyhow, um, so um, I thought it was a great conference. Um, I thought the content was really good. Um, if you, in between all the lip syncing and the crazy nonsense, the slides that Terry puts together and the guests he put together, are really high level, executive level uh, content. It's an invite only conference uh, that's always sold out. So, you know, really 
kind of a highlight of the conference season for me. Um, Eric, what do you, what do you think? It was great as as always. You know, the the team at Luma did a did a great job. There there are a few things to call out here. Um, the first was uh, he announced a transition at the firm. There's been a bit bit of news uh, about this. Business Insider covered it, but you know his three former partners are no longer with the firm, and um, he promoted uh, Connor, who was an early guest of this pod and a friend of the pod, and cranks out a lot of content that we that that we quote all the time. Elevated uh, Connor to to partner, um, which was deserve it. And I think a really nice moment because he's got so many fans that were in attendance and I think broadly within the industry that, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was really nice to see. So that was a, that was a good moment. Number two, what, uh, what I like to see is that they, they, they kick off with, uh, I think they call it the state of digital, but basically an overview of, you know, all things ad tech and the key trends and touch a little bit about, you know, what's going on from a you know, sort of investing in an M&A standpoint. So I think the big trends, no, no surprise, are, are the rise of the you know first party ad nets, right? The the Eric Sufer everyone is a is is an ad net um, theme. I think that that continues to be a big one. Um, retail media of all types. This trend towards uh, horizontality, right? horizontality, <laughs> yeah, yeah, collapsing of SSPs, DSPs, and sort of continued uh, evolution around. Um, data and identity in clean rooms, and you know, I think the the big theme this year that was the new theme was was around AI. So I think they were good. All the stuff that we've been talking about on the on on the pod, you know, it's a it's a weird one for Luma because this is traditionally a deal making event. So you know, a ton of our CEOs was there were, were there, a bunch of corp dev people from uh, you know various large companies were there, but there's not a lot of deal making going on. You know, and and you know, they sort of noted it in the presentation that you know the market is um you know effectively frozen you know but but for some of the the PE firms and financial sponsors um that are that are lurking so you know it was a little bit more of just sort of you know you know relationship building and, and conversations and there were some interesting breakouts you know I I sat in on one that you know I was particularly you know excited about which was creative AI Ari you led a panel um around optimization which I didn't attend but, right you know, I, I I actually would like to get your your take on it and uh, yeah, I think attendance was great. And, like to your point, we were hanging out together. It's kind of funny when we're we're, we're together in, in person. More people came up and asked to be on the pod than asked uh, me for investment. Right? It was an interesting change. <laughs> and I think they're going to hate me right now. And I have a meme for that. I'm ready to post it. <laughs> um, how was your session, by the way? It was great. It was packed. Um, it was called Optimization 2.0. And the thesis was like that the new world is coming, cookies are gone, and how do we optimize? Um, what was interesting was it definitely ha felt like you know the parable about feeling the elephant uh, because uh, you know Mark Mark from Adelaide on the panel he was talking all about user experience and time and engagement, and then the woman from Teeds was talking about um, you know creative and publisher quality and. Uh, we had uh, Joey Truss from Google, who's on the Sandbox team, uh, much more talking about the standards and how that could be implemented and who's going to do it. So in a sense, it was it was like 10 different topics shoved into one. Um, and I had to kind of weave it together to kind of to give some practical feedback to folks, um, which is, you know, challenging. I think I think we're in for a world of challenges where a lot of things are going to change uh, on the date that the cookies actually disappear. ATG, maybe uh, you have some points on that. I do. I sense that we're trying to fight the lesser of two evils. 
in one aspect, want to deprecate cookies. We're trying to create a better product across the board of how to target, retarget, and, and reach our audience. At the same time, in my personal opinion, there, there seems to be a lot of talk about TikTok in the market, what is and what is not true, what is and what is not being passed. And I think our focus needs to be on how do we maintain the privacy guidelines for our users, respect their choices, and target better. And I think having those controls in place can solve a lot. But the way we're going at things seems to be um, um, all or nothing strategy. And, and I think we're going to need to find middle ground. And, and practical ground. I, I, I just worry, practical. like the day, the day Chrome flips the switch, there's a lot of companies that are just going to start losing money uh, on yes. that day. And they're really just not prepared. Um, or if they are prepared, they're prepared in sort of an abstract way. And like the reality is going to be kind of different. Feels a little bit like GDPR. Like we all knew it was coming for a long time, but then it actually came. So, uh, Eric, were you in the creative AI session? I know I was. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I think um, uh, Shelley Palmer did a really good job of articulating what I touched on at the the, the last pod with Joanna about, like, I just wake up stressed <laughs> that I missed in, in, in AI. I think he, he did a far better job of, you know, sort of articulating the, the speed at which um, things are things are going. It was a really good panel. Uh, Diana from Constellation, uh, Omar from Rembrandt, uh, portfolio company, uh, CEO of VidMob, CEO of Seltra, and I think what one other. You know, my, my takeaway is that unless you are AI uh, native, um, right? Omar Rembrandt being being the one, right? You know, sort of, you know, a generative AI startup from from day zero. It's a lot of like talking and a lot of like, here's what the future is going to look like, and. You know some of the platitudes, frankly, that you know you 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 read on on Twitter and the and the internet versus you know what is really being done by I think some of these larger platforms that you know need to need to adapt to a to an AI first era. I, it was a very you know sort of like wise statement, but somebody said something to the effect of you know you know everybody's concerned about AI and jobs and you know how you should think about it is you know the AI is not going to take your jobs. The what what did, what did the person say? Um, the people that understand AI are going to take your job. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a good statement, but like I want to hear what these big companies are doing to adapt to what is the most important thing out there. And you know, I came away feeling that you know startups are going to start to eat companies' lunches when it comes to the the generative stuff. Yeah, Diana from Constellation and Sandy had an interesting back and forth. Constellation is a creative vendor that specializes in regulated industries, so pharma, auto, and other things like that. So they make sure the creatives are compliant before running. She was pretty negative on AI because of exactly because of that reason. And Sandy, uh, the moderator, was of the opinion that, sure, you can't use the off-the-shelf LLM for that sort of thing. If you train it on the regulations, it would be effective. Um, and I, they definitely did not see eye to eye on that. And I thought it was kind of a really interesting nuance. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a that, that was an interesting. It wasn't a nuance. I think it was a you know a, a debate to, 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 <laughs> you know, to be polite, like a strong difference of a, of opinion. And that Dan is uh, amazing. Also, um, architecture contributor Eric Suford has his his weekly post this week. I think it was called the uh, generative AI inflation bubble or something like that. I'm misnaming it. And his hypothesis, just to be brief, was that in a system like Facebook, 
your generative AI will be used aggressively and you'll have a lot more creatives and a lot more ways of creating video and other assets. And therefore, they may kind of stuff the pipe and make the learning process more expensive and more scarce. Uh, so therefore, maybe prices will go up. It's kind of a nuanced argument, but it's kind of interesting. Very interesting. Um, I spend all my time trying to figure this stuff out. We're, we're, we're deep in investing in companies in this space. And, you know, feels like this is an area that some of these larger companies are either going to need to, like, aggressively hire for in order to compete or, or start to get, get acquisitive. Um, so let's talk about the upfronts. Um, we don't have a lot of upfront news. Um, there, Netflix was one interesting note. So first of all, I think Netflix canceled their in in person upfront because of uh, the writer strike. Um, but when they did their virtual one, they gave some interesting data points. Um, so they said there's a million consumers so far on the ad tier. That 25 percent of new signups choose the ad tier. Um, also at the show, um, Rich from Lightspeed uh, said some interesting things about how the advertising business was actually accretive to Netflix, where the advertising consumers are making as much or more money than they would on the paid low tier. And Peter Naylor, who's the CRO, I guess, of the ad group, um, I, I, or I don't know his exact title, but he's in charge of the ad group at Netflix. He also um, said some very positive things about how well it was going. Maybe, uh, ATG, you want to give us your take on this? I think they have the right strategy. I uh, had a conversation with someone about this last week. I think as a publisher, uh, Netflix sits in a very uh, unique position. They have a massive paid subscriber number, right? But launching this ad-supported tier creates diversity in revenue, and they're controlling the amount of ads being served to their users, which is then justifying a higher CPM. And they are, in essence, creating a media product and not an ad tech product. And a lot of the streaming world is increasing the ad frequency and, in essence, creating such a large pool of supply that doesn't justify high CPMs uh, right. because they need to fill. Um, what he's doing is keeping the ads limited and justifying a higher CPM. And I think, in at least what I see as as the short term, the 24 to 36 months, in my view, it's a fantastic strategy to pull brand dollars into the platform. Yeah, the um, someone asked me just the other day if I thought at any point the trade desk get into that inventory? Uh, do they have any interoperability? Um, and my answer, I'd like to hear your point of view on this is, as long as it's going well without programmatic, there's no need to do that. But at some point, you hit limits to how much you can grow your media business in different geographies or different types of customers. And Trade Desk would probably be the first call of the companies you might want to let in. It sounds like you wouldn't agree with that. You would think like, no, they're a great business. They'll go it alone. I think with the number of users they have today, their position and market, they won't need to go into pure programmatic. This could be sold as a, a, a like a pure media product. I think moving forward as the user base scales and the inventory volume scales, they will most likely need to work with someone like a trade desk or expand their team into more programmatic or, I guess, agency direct or brand direct sales efforts. I don't see open exchange happening for them anytime soon. No. Probably some programmatic guaranteed direct with brands. 
Yeah, it's the dance where you want to control it, and then your customers are the agencies, and they're demanding, and they want measurement, they want verification, they want ad serving, eventually they want programmatic, and you just have to kind of, as a publisher, you try to fight that off as long as you can, um, unless right. you need it. Yeah, I think that's that, that's exactly right. I mean, there's you know, there's just been like a a long history in this space of um, media companies uh, when there's you know a new innovation or or a new monetization channel, you know differentiating by saying no we, we won't do that right so like you know i'm sure that in the wayback machine you, you you can find examples of you know uh publishers saying they wouldn't work with ad networks yeah media companies saying they would never transact programmatically and pork bellies are standing exactly what, what what it was and yeah digital dime or digital dimes and linear dollars like whatever they they always go programmatic they always go into these channels because to atg's point like you got to grow you got to be able to serve your customers. You need to expand into these other markets. And it's, you know, the only way to do it. And ultimately, all the stuff is going to be transacted programmatically. And it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, how, how the mean the transaction happens, you know, if you're getting this TPMs um, and the control that you want. It, shortly after Netflix announced their ad program, they did leak out or, or had in their deck that you would be able to buy the inventory through Xander's buy side invest. Uh, but I don't know if anyone's ever done that. Like that might have been a theoretical thing more than an actual thing, because I think the inventory right. inventory is very high sell through rate and very sparse at this point. Uh, you know, a million consumers is great, but it's tiny. Um, so right. my guess my guess is that you're not really able to buy this on Xander Invest. I don't think they'll have a problem in the in the short term. I, I think seeing programmatic is is very general. It's just the pipe. So in the end is. Do they move towards programmatic guarantee? Sure. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, is there any news out of programmatic IO? Uh, we've just been talking about Netflix and, and, and DNS this whole time. I didn't really see that much on on the tweets and whatnot. Um, I didn't go, obviously. Uh, I don't want to ask ATG if he was there or not there because that'll help narrow down who he really is. So, But, I, but it didn't seem like it had a lot of buzz this year. Uh, I have not heard much. I heard more about DNS on, on Twitter. And saw quite a bit of tweets flying around. Yeah, it was hard to avoid at DMS when they started singing Don't Stop Believing." I, I was like, it was really, it was a little cringy. Uh, and I actually went home, told my teenage kids about it, and they didn't believe me. I was like, no, really, these bankers that make millions of dollars, they were singing Don't Stop Believing." That's how they get their clients. And my kids were like, Dad, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> I thought it was great. I was dying. Like, I'm sure there's video footage or some pictures from the professionals of me, like, falling out of my chair. I it was <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up. Um, so, at Tech God, thank you so much for being here. Uh, do you want to leave us with any parting words? How, how should people interact with you? They obviously follow you on Twitter. Um, but and what else do you want to tell our audience? Stay positive. I think we've seen a lot of change in the ad tech ecosystem this year I, I think we're going to see some more just keep helping each other and i think we'll continue to grow over the next 12 to 24 months those headwinds are coming but stay positive keep working hard and, and be creative all right that's a very positive message um so thank you so much for being here i'm gonna i'm gonna do one more plug um one more plug for the architecture ai because i i'm just getting People are reaching out to me that they're using it and it's getting great results. It's still free. Uh, we may put it behind a paywall at some point, but go to marketdesert.tv and there's a tab for the AI bot. All right, Eric and ATG, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing to Marketecture. 
New interviews are added every week at Markitecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.